Hello and welcome to another Quarren stream. Oh, God, what's going on up here? Here's gone crazy. How's it going, everybody? Um, so today, um, gonna we've been talking about sort of like characters or like magical themes, specific chapters. But about today, I'll talk about something a little different. If you can tell from the. Uh, from the title screen I put up today, when you think of the Starks, when you think of the dire wolves, the you think of like Northern Justice, Ice, the frozen winds of winter, all these things about the Starks. But one of the more often the symbolic and source of their strength of our lovable Northern Dagos is Winterfell itself, the castle, the fortress, all the things. I'm going to change this angle. There we go. I like that better. Oh, Aaron is already calling for the hat. Uh, we'll put on the hat if we get to. We'll do. We'll do the same things last time. Get to 150 likes. I'll put on. I'll put on a silly hat. Yes, let the public shaming begin. This has begun. Good call, Maester Zen. That's right. This is public shaming. That's what's going on here. Uh, let me get this mic out of the way. <clears throat> So anyway, Winterfell, the gigantic sprawling castle that serves as the heart of the north. All roads and power in that region run through it. And it's a very important part of the story. It's where we're introduced to the Starks. They are constantly thinking about it. All the things. It's great. Um, and I have a quote here I want to start off with. Um, a lot of the characterization we get from Winterfell is actually from Bran Stark. <laughs> Really need to work out this camera angle beforehand. There we go. I think that's better. This will all be cut out later. So this is, again, this is just a treat for you guys. Uh, okay. Nope, that's not what I wanted to do. There we go. Bran could perch for hours among the shapeless, rain-worn gargoyles that brooded over the first keep, watching it all. The men drilling in with wood and steel in the yard, the cooks tending their vegetables in the glass garden, restless dogs running back and forth in the kennels, the silence of the godswood, the girls gossiping beside the washing well. It made him feel like he was the lord of the castle, in a way even Rob would never know. It taught him Winterfell's secrets, too. The builders had not leveled the earth. There were hills and valleys behind the walls of Winterfell. There was a covered bridge that went from the fourth floor of the bell tower across the second floor of the rookery. Bran knew about that. And he knew you could get inside the inner wall by the south gate, climb three floors, and run all the way around Winterfell through a narrow tunnel in the stone, and then come out of ground level at the north gate, with a hundred feet of wall looming over you. Even, Mace, even Maester Loon didn't know that. Bran was convinced. Hmm. Yeah, so that's, um, that is some very interesting characterization in the castle. You sort of get the idea of like, uh, like a Hogwarts kind of place, like, um, sort of like, uh, old town, a big maze, lots of secrets, stuff to be uncovered, classic germ. 
Um, it is, and it's a castle that holds secrets above and below that serves not just as the home and setting for the Starks, but it seems like it holds important keys for our song of ice and fire. And that even extends beyond the Northmen themselves. Melisandre of Ashai's vision of Stannis raising his banners over the fortress is a key vision of her idea for his eventual victory. Um, Holding Winterfell and its power is even a major plot point for Southerners like Tywin, Cersei, and Littlefinger, and it drives major parts of the books, even while well, Theon and the Boltons holding it. It's it's not just the castle, it's not just their home, it's a key part of the books that keeps coming up. And a lot of times when the Starks think about their being with their family, they think about being home in Winterfell itself and the different aspects, which are incredibly strange. Um, totally unique, nothing like it in the rest of the books. Fascinating place. <clears throat> so today, let's plumb the depths of its crypts, climb the towers with Bran, hold court in the Great Hall, and sit beneath the pensive weirwood of the Godswood. This will be exciting. I love Winterfell. <laughs> uh, before we do that um i just wanted to say again this was something i did last week i'm going to do it again this week um all the revenue from this stream i'm going to donate to a um a funder charity uh supporting the protesters out there and black Lives matters and all that other kind of stuff uh, you can send super chats if you want just warning youtube takes a big cut um, if you want to do that, but don't want to give YouTube half your money, um, you can just do it and post in the chat that you did, or you can tag me on Twitter with like the receipt. And I also have a, um, PayPal link set up that you can send to, uh, which takes much less of a cut of the money so that it will go directly to good places. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, if that's what you want to do with, with super chats today, that's totally fine works the same. It'll just, I'll just, end. and also the ad revenue of the whole thing. I'm just going to give it away. And also I wanted to take some time, uh, before we get into the rest of the theory and talk about, uh, well, not the theory, talk about Winterfell. And this is something I wanted to do on Tuesday on that community post I put up, but I didn't, I did not. And I probably should have, um, so a uh, girl's gone canon. If you don't know them, Eliana and Chloe put up an episode earlier this week where they wanted to highlight, um, creators, um, in the community who are people of color or are black and, um, don't get the attention that they should. So yeah, Steven Star YouTube takes 40% PayPal, PayPal takes 1%. So I'll be watching my phone as this goes on. So try and highlight it that way um there's links all all below the chat if you want to go find uh these creators and the different places that uh you can support them uh so the first one was uh hypes watch they're kind of a community well not really community a large number of people usually on streams they they do reviews and they talk about game of thrones and a song of ice and fire a lot they haven't been active in a while but as a lot of people you probably know in the community like don willie um big cast big cast of characters on that one and speaking of don willie he has his own youtube channel uh the most recent stuff i saw from him uh was his fire and blood videos um did him about um a little bit over a year ago it looked like has his own personal youtube channel again links are down below if you want to check them out 
Um, there's also Alicia Kingston. Uh, she's doing uh, quite a lot of streams recently. Um, Alicia's a uh, what were they talking about? The last one they did was they were talking about a lot of tinfoil. I guess they came over from another channel and kept doing it. Um, she also was on a panel at Con of Thrones with uh, Tony Teflon, uh, Manu, Manucular Bomb. If you don't know him on Twitter, he was also on one of my reviews uh, during season eight and with Lisa Spinagle, where they were talking about what it's what it's like being a person of color in the Game of Thrones community. I don't know. I was trying to find the audio for that, but. You know, could not find it in time. It might be out there. Um, then we have. Oh, you may know her from this chat and many others. Uh, Chrissy of Old Stones. She has her own YouTube channel in it. She mostly does like dramatic readings of chapters and poetry, but she recently put up one that. Um, a poem by Langston Hughes called Let America Be America Again. That was really great. Um, definitely check out our channel. Her dramatic readings are pretty good. Well, they're great. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Chrissy, if you're listening. <laughs> they're awesome. Uh, yeah, Chrissy's a mod everywhere. Uh, she does do her own stuff, which I wasn't aware of, and I was glad to find out. Uh, the I Need More Wine pod, uh, that's done by Christine Crippens and uh, Jocelyn... God, I forget her last name. We're in a slack together. How am I forgetting her last name? It's a, it's a great podcast. The two of them uh, do pop culture. They get wine drunk and talk about it. They're hilarious and very insightful. Some of the smartest people I know. Um, definitely check that out. I've been trying to get, um, trying to get them to talk about some of my favorite British panel shows. Hopefully. Um, there's also Quinn of Quinn's ideas. Uh, it used to be called ideas of ice and fire. Um, Lots of Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones theories. He's also focusing a lot on Dune with the um, the movie coming out soon. I'm guessing that he will be a person to go see about that. Um, let's see here. If you can't tell, I, ma I made a list because there's a lot of them. <laughs> let's see here. Um, a YouTuber named uh, T-Baby does a lot of um, theories and reviews. Um, Tony Teflon, he's been recently doing, from what it looked like on his channel, a lot of Jackbox stuff. He does a lot of theories. He's most famous for his um, I Hate the Children of the Force and they are super evil. Very passionate about that one. But he also talks about other uh, TV shows. He's been doing Tiger King and um, I also saw that he's been doing Westworld. Yes, I love British panel shows. They're some of my favorite. Um, there's the Critical Hit Shop, which is an SG store. Um, again, all these links are down below in the description of this if you want to go check them out yourself. Um, looks like they do mostly hardwood magnets and pins. Some of them look really cool. Um, they make them in like um, hexagons, so you can make like a whole pattern. It looked really cool. Um, I'm, I'm going to get to them, Sass. Okay, don't worry. I've got a whole list here. Um, there's also the Amber Spycast, which is his Dark Materials uh, podcast. That's not one I know personally. Again, I got this from Colleen Eliano, and they love his Dark Materials. So um, I can't vouch for them personally. I haven't gone and listened to them, but if they like them, then it's probably pretty good. Those two are great. Uh, there's Draft Urgy. Um, they're a fantasy artist. You may recognize the art from, um, 
that stream I did with poor Quentin about Euron. They're responsible for that famous one of Euron with the, um, with the horn walking into the water with the crow's eye and the thing above it. Excellent, excellent work by them. Uh, definitely should check them out. Um, there's Monaro geek. Um, they, it looks like it looked like they collabed a lot with like Alicia Kingston and, um, a few of the other people on this list. Um, their recent ones was they did an iron bank stream, which I thought was really good. And they also did just a let's talk. It's called a let's talk stream. And it's about, um, the violence and the protesting out there. Um, definitely something to check out. Uh, there's the podcast Winterfell. Um, they haven't been active. It looks like in a while, but the last one they did with was Kim Renfro about her book. Um, there's Aquaventus or Misty 306. Um, mostly a blog it looked like, but she does a lot of theories and pop culture essays and book reviews. A lot of, um, I was scrolling through it before us really, really good book reviews and, and theories and stuff like that. So I want to check out. And like, uh, in the chat, Sasuke said, um, a thousand eyes in one podcast done by, uh, Tanya and Nikki, uh, looks like they've been mostly doing trivia for a little bit, but they also have been doing a season eight rewatch review. So, um, yep, that's, that is no, by no means an all inclusive list. That is not everybody. I'm sure there are plenty of others. Um, just wanted to run down, give some people some shout outs, some links. Oh, I guess people have been sending PayPal's. Okay. Uh, $10 from Amy. Uh, thank you for doing this, Matt. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Uh, Morley also sent one more. So, <laughs> I don't You are so generous. Uh, $38 from her. Um, oh, that's probably after the. Oh, the weird numbers are probably because they took their cut because this is, I guess I just did this as a business. Uh, but yeah, so that's probably $40 from Morley and 10 from Amy. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. So definitely go out and, um, support the, the black and people of color creators in the community. Um, a lot of them could use more attention than they get. I was going through and watching a bunch of them this week after Eliana and Chloe, um, put up that list and. Yeah, they deserve a lot more viewers. They do good stuff. All right. So let's go into Winterfell itself. Let's um let's talk about that real big weird structure that's a, a looming part of the story. And I thought we would start to with what what it looks like today, because where it used to be and where it is now are very different things. You look at the histories and the legends and all that other kind of weird shit. Easier to start with the place we know, not the one of legend. So it's kind of like this big sprawling hodgepodge of buildings, architecture and walls. Very often it's referred to as a like a maze. Oh, another one. Uh, Steven Stark sent in $10. Thank you very much, Steven. Again, this is all, I'm going to give this all to charity after the stream's over. Um, yeah, very often described as a maze or like a big stone tree. It's a place that, that is made of stone and granite and all these things, but it's, it very much feels alive. Um, the outer walls are 80 and a hundred feet high separately, two giant ass walls with a moat in between made of great gray granite, not not the infamous oily black stone. 
no oily black stone anywhere in Winterfell. So not one of the not doesn't seem to be linked to those other sites throughout Westeros that have that. Like um, you see at Mo Kalen, you see it at um, underneath the High Tower. Um, when you think about these walls, it's very reminiscent of you would think of Storm's End. Uh, I'm doing a video about Storm's End and Aegon um, and John Connington, and that's one thing that struck me when I was looking back at this: is how similar they are. Storm's End also has the 80 foot high curtain walls that nobody has ever climbed over. Um, although main difference is that Storm's End has never been sieged successfully or taken by force. Winterfell definitely has. Um, definitely definitely has the the war between the boltons and and the starks going back many 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 years um it has been taken it has been burned it's been burned in the current story although that was more by trickery than by like siege but it's happened before storm's end is undefeated where winterfell is not it also kind of tells you what sort of insane invasions that Winterfell has seen over its lifetime that these kind of fortifications are necessary. There's almost nothing like it anywhere else in Westeros. It's like Storm's End and Winterfell and the I mean, I mean and the, the quote unquote wall, the wall are these like enormous megalithic structures that are incredibly old, it seems like. And it's not really clear what they're for. Um, do they keep out magical things or they take out keep out practical things with storm's ends it seems the stories of storm's end are more legendary it's keeping out um, the gods from during god's grief uh winterfell doesn't have that kind of similar legendary quality to them but the effect on regular people tells you that these were not built just as as like some sort of like um they have a practical purpose and the practical purpose has been probably being the source of the power for Winterfell and the uh, Durandans for many, many years that taking Winterfell is so insurmountable that it gives them an advantage that uh, very few have. Now let me move this over. Let me double check on chat. Okay. Um, it's also important to note that there are abandoned parts of Winterfell um, that are not used by anything or anyone. They are just sort of left as ruins within the high walls, which is uh, something pretty interesting. Um, you have the ruins of the First Keep, which is the oldest structure in Winterfell. Um, and then there's the Broken Tower, which is um, just a regular tower, but what ended up happening was it was struck by lightning, burned down, and they just never rebuilt it. The The fortress is so big that apparently they have these two towers, and there's like, eh, don't need to rebuild them. Not necessary. Um, it is also uh, serves as important like groundwork for thinking about Winterfell in terms of history and what it's related to. It's very similar to Harrenhal. It's also very similar to Ashai. These giant, enormous fortresses and complexes that have parts that have just been let go, that nobody does anything with them. Uh, Harrenhal was destroyed by the dragons, obviously. Uh, who knows what happened to Ashai, but what's clear is that a fraction, not the whole of the place, is being used. Um, 
And when you think about Harrenhal, that's obviously a very mystical, magical place with the God's eyes. And then as you learn more about Winterfell and then Stark's connections to the Weirwoods and the old gods and maybe the others, kind of makes sense. George is setting it up so that when you think of Winterfell, you should think of magic, mystic, and weirdness, and also past destruction. Uh, then we have the infamous glass gardens that have come up many times when people are talking about, like, where can you grow lemon trees? Well, the um, Winterfell has a greenhouse. That's what it is. They got the glass from Mir. It allows them to grow their famous blue winter roses and plants and crops all year long throughout winter, as long as there's sunlight. Um, very important, like just survival thing, but also kind of a cool detail that the Starks do trade. They will buy stuff from Mir. They, they, um, they bought ice from the Valyrians, that kind of thing. Oh, another PayPal, uh, $10 from, um, uh, Michelle, uh, she says, great idea. Hope others follow. Thank you, Michelle. Um, yeah, again, this is a PayPal link so that YouTube doesn't take 40% of it. Cause I'm going to be donating all the money to, uh, to charity for, um, supporting protesters and that kind of stuff. Um, that's kind of a cool detail. It's, um, tells you a little bit about the Starks that they are not like totally backward northerners that don't, that like live in this grim castle. No, it's, it's alive and they spend money to improve parts of it. Um, and then there's a bunch of other towers. You have the bell tower, the maester's tower, a rookery, a library tower, and a guard's hall. Again, reminiscent of Harrenhal. Um, a lot, and actually Moat Kalen, a lot of random towers to sort of plant just throughout the, the castle structure itself within the outer walls. Um, it I would guess that these towers used to be for defense. And over time, as the Starks conquered the North, those, they kind of fell out of use and they got repurposed. So one of them, like when they started having maesters, they just gave him a tower. Fine. Um, when writing was a thing, because there was a time, because the first men mostly did uh, runes and they like carved them in stone. So at some point, like paper writing came to the north, like through cultural exchange or technology, and they built a library. They probably just repurposed one of the old ones. Um, you see that with the Night's Watch a lot. The Castle Black, whatever it, whatever those towers used to be, that's not what they're used for now. Uh, they just kind of get repurposed. They're so old, who knows what they are even for. Um, and outside the castles, uh, we actually have the Winter Town. There's Winterfell and the Winter Town. Um, this serves as more like the economic um, peasant level hub of Winterfell. It's uh, where people come to trade. It's where people come to live um, that aren't specifically within the castle garrison itself. Uh, it tends to pop up as winners coming. Um, this anybody in the north basically who feels threatened can come live in the winter town and get the protections of the Starks. Um, this is a this is a common thing anyway. It happens with a lot of the castles. Like Cashley Rock has Lannisport, King's Landing has the Red Keep or Red Keep as King's Landing. It's pretty normal. There's the big fortress and then there's the the town or the city outside of it. Uh, White Harbor is a similar thing. Um, the winter town though seems more temporary than the other ones. It seems to grow and contract as the seasons go on rather than being a, like a permanent city outside of it. 
Uh, let's see what's going on in the chat. Um, yeah, Aaron, it is very sad when the glass gardens are broken by Ramsey. They will be very hard to replace. It doesn't see well, they had to get it from Mir, and that's not awesome trying to get more of it. Uh, actually, Rosie says, should diversity um, made a 3D model of the book Winter Fell is gigantic and beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, anybody can get the link for that. The show version of Winterfell versus the book version. The show version is actually much smaller. And it looks very different. Winterfell in the books is just like this enormous multi-acre acre structure with towers poking up everywhere, not the um the round forts that you see in the show. Um yeah, Luminous Rand, it's more temporary because most of the north shelters there. Yeah, it comes and goes. Unlike like I was saying, unlike the other cities or ports and that kind of thing where they are permanent structures, the winter town is more of like an emergency thing. Um, and then of course there's the godswood. Um, this is an entire part of the castle that is quartered off from the rest of it. It's an enclosed forest with the, um, Winterfell heart tree, the black pool that sits, um, just outside of it where the tree is looking down into the water all the time, almost like a mirror or something like that reminds you of, um, um, Galadriel and her magic mirror, that kind of thing. Um, her magic mirror made of water, uh, where the Lords of Winterfell tend to go hang out to be on their own. Uh, also the prey, uh, we know from Bran's visions that it used to be more of an old God worshiping site. Like people would be taken there to have their, no their throats slit to water the trees. <clears throat> um, also interesting that the, the Winterfell Godswood has, um, has a stark face which I always found very interesting, especially since, well, anyway. Uh, and then underneath that, underneath the godswood, next to the first keep, there is the fame, the infamous crypts, the enormous underground multi-level crypts where the bodies of House Stark are laid to rest. Um, there's sort of a misconception that it's only the lords that are down there. All the members of House Stark are buried down in the crypts. It's only the lords, though, in theory, who get the statues. I have a whole section on the crypts. Don't worry about it. <laughs> there's going to be a lot about the crypts in this stream. Um, Uh, it's also, be, but because of its location within the first keep and underneath the godswood, it's the the crypts are actually sort of a secret. It's a plot point in the in uh, a dance with dragons where after the Boltons take Winterfell, um, that nobody can find the damn thing. They don't know where it is. Um, it's actually a secret that Theon keeps to himself that he divulges to Lady Dustin. Um, it appears that anyone left in Winterfell who knows is not giving up the location. The rest of the North doesn't know where it is. It's like this weird secret that the Starks keep to themselves, or at least the garrison plus the Starks all keep to themselves. Very fascinating how that works. Um, you think with how big they are and how important they are to the Starks, that it would be like well known where they are. No. <laughs> the crypts are a very strange secret that the Starks keep which keeps in line with the fact that they are unique and odd and extremely weird. Um, and then of course there's the great keep. This is the sort of the central fortress of Winterfell, the biggest building. Oh, oh, that's right. I forgot about this. Uh, we got 158 watching. It looks like right now. Um, and if I get to, if I get to 150 likes, I'll put on a silly hat. 
Probably, um, you guys can pick when we get there. Uh, it can be either the Gurm hat or it can be the the Gandalf hat. I don't really care which. I would prefer the Gandalf hat because I feel less ridiculous wearing it. Um, <laughs> and then, oh, okay, yeah, the Great Keep. Um, this is where the Starks live. Um, this is connected to the armory. This is where they spend their day to day time. Uh, in the early books, most most of the action is um, happens within the Great Keep. That's where the famous walkway is that they imported into the show, where you can watch the training yard. You know, it's their day to day location. And then there's the the Great Hall. Um, this is the scene for the feast. This is, uh, also interestingly, it has oak and iron doors, which Dunk the Lunk repeats all the time and is apparently a saying in all throughout Westeros, uh, oak and iron guard me well, or else I'm dead and doomed to hell. Interesting that the Starks have of their great hall have doors of oak and iron and that phrase exists. Hmm. Strange. Don't know what that's about. I'm sure it will come up, especially since Dunk has visited Winterfell in his, during his lifetime and got busy with presumably young Nan. Um, seats 500. Um, not as big as Harrenhal, but again, like the the comparison between Winterfell and Harrenhal continues to come up as you talk about the the different ways it, it's built. It's almost like Harrenhal was supposed to be like a mega Winterfell. It almost seems like that's the inspiration for it, especially with the connections to the Weirwoods and all that other kind of stuff. And it's also within the the Great Hall where the high seat of the Kings of Winter is. Uh, the show depicted it as just like sort of a simple wooden chair. It's actually just kind of a giant stone chair. It's decorated with winter with um, direwolves on either side of it uh, that has said to be worn smooth when it used to be uh, sharp. That is how long that seat has been there. The butts of many lords have smoothed it out completely. <laughs> oh god, I have to keep track of the, the likes now. That's actually kind of hard to do. Um, up to 115, okay. And then the last part of it is the the sept for Catelyn Stark. Uh, Ned Stark built that very recently. Um, it was a gift to her. Um, being a southerner and feeling totally out of place ned was trying to be kind to his wife and seems to be the first stark ever to allow a sept within anywhere near winterfell although there does one does exist at uh, white harbor and one exists at the night's watch I imagine previous Stark Lords would be extremely upset to see a, a Sept of the Faith of the Seven there, but there it is. It's there. So that's the Winterfell that we know at the start of the story. It's, it's a crazy place. It's got so many different aspects to it. It's confusing to the people that live there. It's confusing to those that try and occupy it. There's secrets everywhere. Bran talks about it all the time, how he feels like he knows Winterfell where no one else can, because it doesn't just go below the ground. It goes above it. These towers and these walls are huge. It's, um, I mean, I'll just say it outright. It's a deep place, uh, very similar. Oh, uh, we've got a few more uh, PayPal's. Sorry, I have to do this on my phone, so I have to I have to pull them up one by one. Not as convenient as super chats, but better for what we're doing here. Um, 
Let's see here. Five dollars from Danny McKay. Thank you very much, Danny. Uh, Ten dollars from uh, Jennifer. I'm trying to see. Make sure there's no messages. Nope. Um. And ten dollars from uh oh no Sasa K. Uh, she says thank you for doing this. No problem. Happy to. Um. Yeah, HP Lovecraft, Labyrinths, um, the Stone City, George's uh, story about the from the Thousand Worlds, um, all very, very connected. Winterfell is not like a fantasy castle in terms of like um, of King Arthur, but more the the weirder side of fantasy. The park that Jer that Gurm loves so 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 much. It could very easily be like a Lovecraft castle if you want to think about it that way. So that's where it is today. Um, let's look back to what it used to be or the kind of legends and myths we get about it. So the official history, <laughs> it's hard to have a, an official history with something that is between five and 10,000 years old. I mean, if you think about that in terms of modern storytelling, like us today, going back 5,000 years would be like the story of Gilgamesh and like the most ancient civilizations that we don't even know the names to. So anything here, take with a big grain of salt. It doesn't have to be correct. Um, Gurm is probably just putting it in as um, he, he calls it like a window dressing or decorating. But anyway, so let's talk about them, even though who knows if they're actually correct. It's supposedly built by Bran the Builder, the founder of House Stark, sort of the founder of House Stark, Bran of the Bloody Blade apparently doesn't count. Um, in the dawn age with the help of the giants to raise the massive walls and buildings um bran the builder is also credited with building storm's end for durin's god's grief the high tower for uther high tower and also the wall itself again with the help of the giants um bran the builder is also credited with giving uh brandon's gift to the night's watch that after he finished the the wall, he then granted them all this land to work, um, implying that he split his land in half for the wall, basically, that it was his land he built it on and then he gave it away. Um, it's also this interesting, consistent theme we're seeing of the giants being involved with Bran the Builder and creating these megalithic structures in the north. Um, I think it's supposed to like tune into this idea that Bran was using help from weird magical things in order to build these structures, which is sort of goes into like, nobody knows how he did it. Um, but it doesn't really translate to the, to the current times. Well, like Harrenhal is much bigger than, than uh, Winterfell and how did, um, Harrenhor do it? Well, he didn't do it with magic. He did it with mass slavery and, um, and just like sapping the resources of, two whole kingdoms for like 50 years in order to build his massive castle. Um, so yeah, I mean, these, these things can be built in the modern times, but that as old as Winterfell is and as old as Bran the Builder is at the time, it would have seemed like magic. Nobody knows how he did it. Um, Storm's End as well. 
basically seems to be unchanged since its construction. Um, I think it's more that he was getting aid from the children of the forest. That's what I think that's what the meaning of these, the giants and all that stuff really is. Um, it almost seems like he's kind of like a Prometheus figure from a uh, Greek legend that he stole secrets from the children of the forest and the giants and used it to help out humanity with his building of these amazing things that nobody else could replicate for thousands of years. I'm guessing that's the purpose of that detail. I mean, he may have actually gotten giants to help him, but that's not necessary. And then we look at, um, I described what the buildings are now, but if it's noted in the text that the architecture between the different buildings changes wildly, um, there is many different generations of building materials going on and styles of building, including like the gargoyles are one thing that's noted. Um, so Winterfell was not built as one whole like Harrod Hall was, or it seems like Storm's End is. It was much smaller and then got bigger over time. And then we look at the oldest parts. Well, there's three parts. What we know about the um, what we know about it, the three oldest parts of Winterfell are the crypts, the first keep, and the godswood. Those are the three things that are consistently brought up as the oldest parts. So if you think about it, you could probably imagine that that's what it was based around, that everything else is built up around it. <laughs> uh, Isabel wants to know, was Bran the Builder an earthbender? Uh, you know what? Not that bad. Um, the... Yeah, a second. Checking PayPal and my Twitter. Checking PayPal too. This is why I don't normally do this because it takes I, everything just pops up normally. Um, yeah, so if you imagine what Interfell was at its inception, what it was like when Bran the Builder built it, the evidence suggests that it was one tower, the crypts beneath it, and the godswood. And that's basically all it was, which tracks with what we know about the Starks at the time. They were not, they were, for a long time, they were um, just like another of a hundred petty kings throughout the north that over time they conquered their neighbors and. Um, gained power in a very long struggle, especially against the Boltons. Um, you know, they used to be nobodies. I mean, compared to what they are now. Um, it's interesting to think about that there was a time when like, it was like, if you think about Duncan Egg and you think about, um, what's his name? Um, uh, it's from the, the Sworn Sword. Um, the Yaz Gray and Standfast. It may have been something like Standfast when it was initially constructed. Just, uh, just a tower, a tree, and some caves underneath it. Um, it's also noted, like I said in the opening quote, that the hills and ravines around it were not leveled. That is something that normally happens with castle uh, construction these days, or at least in the more modern times throughout Westeros, that you don't want to build around hills or anything like that unless it's like a defensive structure. Like if you want to put the back of your castle to a hill, 
that kind of thing. But most of the time, they level the ground and then they build up. Winterfell was absolutely not built like that. It was built around the land, and they didn't use any kind of earthwork to do it. Um, they didn't. They didn't destroy the the caves. They didn't destroy the hills or anything like that for superior defensive structures. They built it into the land. Um, it seems to maybe imply a certain respect that Bran, the builder, and whoever it actually was that built these structures, that they respected the land. They respected probably like the old gods and the children of the forest, and they didn't want to destroy them. It also may indicate that that used to be a um, maybe a holy site, something like um, we see from the God's Eye or something like High Heart, that it may be built on tap on top of one of these places. Um, Jeff's says, how much of the help from the giants have been skin changing them to do so? Yeah, that's, that's also something that may have come up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, skin changing giants or pack animals in order to do it. It could also be something along those lines. But when we look at these ancient structures, like you think about the hundred foot walls and the 80 foot wall and a moat and like five towers, but that's not what it was. You didn't need godlike powers to build what Winterfell used to be. It's probably just something that has been built up over time. And then it's also important to note that the underneath these oldest parts of the castle is the hot springs and the the crypts. Um in the modern times the springs have been repurposed. They've sort of been used as like plumbing, heating all the walls, running throughout the the buildings. Um, so this also indicates that this was an important strategic place for them, like getting hot springs in the north when winters can be fierce and years long is very important. Um, gives you a water source all years long um, when you don't like so you don't have to like use a fire to melt snow to get water or anything like that. It's it's an important national rest national natural resource that nobody else has it's an advantage throughout for thousands of years that they've had um so yeah that that it's fun to think about that what's winterfell it's actually just a tower the crypts and um weirwoods in a hot spring and they said okay this is where we're setting up um and this also goes into the idea I was talking about the, with the walls, the idea that Bran is building the structure is, is basically the, the massiveness of it. The 80 and 100 foot curtain along with the moat in between. Um, when you look at the other places he builds, they also have seem, um, similar insane structures. The wall itself is 700 feet high and like my hundreds of miles long across. The high tower is far and away the tallest uh, structure in Westeros, um, going up. I don't even know how far, but it's it is. It seems almost impossible. With current building methods, uh, Storm's End also has those eighty foot walls that nobody can breach. Also built on Shipbreaker Bay. That sort that sort of seems to be the connective tissue between them. That it's the the size of these massive walls around Winterfell that connects them to Brand the Builder. However, when you look at Oh God, we haven't actually gotten, okay. At 131 likes. Okay. Good. I don't have to get my hat yet. Um, you guys scared me for a second there. I was reading the chat. 
But like I was talking about with the with the ancient, most ancient parts of these structures, that only represents like a quarter of the current walls that Winterfell encloses. Like that is a small corner off in the side. So it asks the question, were those gates always there? Or was there another wall around the original Winterfell that then got expanded to enclose other parts of it? Do not, <laughs> Bernie, do not send me a sombrero. What are you doing? Uh, oh, $20 from Aaron M on PayPal. Thank you very much, Aaron. Oh, uh, Courtney Maza, one of my mods, also sent in $10. Uh, message with it. I would like to make this donation in the. And the protesters in the name of our dear friend, Robert, I like to think of him at, I'll be thinking of him at five when I take my kids to demonstrate. Oh, go get him. Go, pro, go protest them. Uh, so far we've gotten $120 that I'll be donating. Um, I, I won't be keeping any of it. it uh, PayPal is taking us cut. The numbers are, that's why the numbers are slightly lower. All of it will be given away to a charity after the stream. Um, let me just post that link again in case any of y'all missed it. And this, yeah, again, this is just to not give YouTube their 40%. Um, otherwise, I would say to send in super chats, but that's kind of self defeating when we're trying to give it away. Oh, there was a joke, Courtney. I'm sorry. I'm stupid. Uh, yeah. So getting back to were the walls already there, always there? I, it seems like maybe not. It seems like that, um, those, those curtain walls and those moats were later additions as Winterfell got bigger. And that sort of raises a few possibilities. So number one, was Winterfell originally a much larger structure that has been knocked down and rebuilt over time? Maybe the first keep wasn't just one building at first. Maybe it was a part of a larger structure that has since been destroyed and rebuilt over. Um, I would guess not, but that is a possibility. Um, I like the second one that Winterfell has expanded over time and that with the existence of the winter town being sort of a non-permanent part of the structure, maybe what we know as the rest of Winterfell was actually, um, let, let me say this again. So if you take the first keep the crypts in the godswood and say that's the original Winterfell, maybe the rest of the castle was the winter town that sprung up around it and built up over time. And then once it became more functionally a part of the castle, they built the walls around the whole thing, enclosing Winterfell in Wintertown. And then the new Wintertown sprung up outside. Um, oh, I remember. I remember. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I remember Robert. <laughs> yes, I remember that Robert guy. Um, don't worry about it. Inside joke from the, um, from my patron Slack. Uh, that would be my idea for why these, these walls enclose everything, but they enclose everything that has been built later. I would say that was, um, that seems most likely to me, but it could also be the other way. It could be that the um, different parts of it have fallen down over time and been rebuilt. Um, oh, Steven Stark wants to know where I'm going to be sending the money. Um, there's a thing called the mutual aid networks. Um, I had given the other money to, um, 
help people get out of bail, but there's a lot of other places that need uh, money for, and resources. So I was going to, um, I was going to pick one and send it to it. Um, maybe the Massachusetts one, cause I live in Massachusetts, but maybe somewhere that needs it more, um, at the moment, Massachusetts does not seem to be having the same, uh, different kinds of problems. No, not my bank account. I'll post it on Twitter so you guys can see the receipt and everything after we're done. Um, so even if the walls weren't like um, the original part of the structure, they, there's something that is linking brand the builder's original creations when you're talking about storms and you're talking about the high tower you're talking about the wall and you're talking about winterfell and that is the seeming idea of um some sort of magic or barriers that is innate in them um the wall obviously has some sort of idea um to keep the undead out cold hand says he cannot go through the wall um there's the whites that go through when the um when the night's watch bring them through, but it may be like an invitation thing, like a, a vampire thing where they can't pass unless you invite them in. Uh, we're at 144 likes. Oh God. And we have a, it's gonna be a long time with that hat on. Um, oh, what was I saying? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, we know that the wall itself also has the black gate underneath some weird magic shit going on there. Uh, Storms and Melisandre could not send a shadow baby from outside the walls into the walls. So that that again uh, goes into this idea of magic and barriers that somehow within the walls of Storms End, there's uh, some kind of ward that keeps magic out. But once you walk it inside, then it works. Oh, awesome. I have to go get my hat now. We are at 153 likes, 182 watching. Oh. Pay no attention to the sound of... Thanks, guys. On the plus side, what this does is it covers my quarantine hair, which makes me look like I'm in college again. <laughs> my super long. <sighs> there we go. You guys happy? Let me get side to side. There we go. Uh, yeah, if we get to, uh, sure. If we get to 200, <laughs> cause I don't like wearing the germ hat. We get to 200. I'll put it on. Uh, yeah, those are uh, guilty undertaker. Are those the beer bottles in the background? They are, they are the, um, the Oma gang beers. I have a whole collection up there. I'm missing only a few different, uh, stickers, that kind of thing. Um, God damn this hat. Well, I'm glad you guys organized for making me look foolish. Um, 
And then the high tower, it's unclear what kind of magic is there, but it definitely is impossibly tall. Like even making something like that close to modern times was basically impossible. So what's holding it up? Uh, it was built on top of Battle Isle, which has the um, <laughs> which has uh, the oily black stone that's not present at Winterfell and not present at Storm's End and not present at the Wall, but is present there. There's some sort of magical stuff going on there. It's also noted that the Lords of the High Tower seem to be necromancers uh, and very interested in magic. The Citadel was founded to study magic itself. Um, So that asks the question, okay, so we know these kind of things exist in other places. Do they exist in Winterfell? Um, that is, that. I think that would be an interesting question as we go into the Winds of Winter and a Dream of Spring as the others break through the wall and they start marching down. Is there, is there a similar shield underneath the, the big walls of Winterfell? Or... This is the other possibility. Are only parts of the castle shielded? Like, is it only the original parts? Is it only the first keep, the crypts, and the godswood that have this kind of magical barrier that uh, that magical beings cannot get through without being invited? Um, that could be a way that Gurm could allow Winterfell to be like partially overrun and destroyed and create this sort of like um, Thermopylae idea that was sort of present in the show with Theon and Bran, where the rest of the castle kind of got wrecked. But it was the godswood and the crypts um, where the, the, the humans sort of put up their last stand. Um, it would be kind of foolish of the Starks to essentially build a giant crypt full of their dead, knowing the others exist and not having some way of stopping the others from getting inside. Like that would seem like a bad idea to me. Oh, on the, on the high towers. Um, actually, since you sent in a, a, a donation for, um, for the charity, I'll just, Take this as a super chat question. Uh, Sasa cases. If there are necromancers, then Kyburn be somehow related to them. I never thought about this. Um, necromancy is absolutely a part of the magic of the world. Like everybody seems to have um, some form of necromancy going on. Um, like the others have theirs. The Faith of Relore have theirs. The Undying have theirs. Um, the Children of the Forest have sort of an undeath um, with. Um, with blood raven and, and sticking in the trees it's a constant theme um it's one of those things that i, I think about with euron coming to uh old town in the winds of winter and blowing the horn of winter i like to think the horn of winter will raise the dead that it's not going to knock down the wall <laughs> and it'd be kind of funny well not funny it'd probably be terrifying in a germ way that if all the bodies in like in old town all raised at once um Yeah, it's it's definitely noted that the Citadel and the High Towers were at one time studying necromancy and then it got outlawed. So necromancers in Old Town, think about that. That is a weird one. Um but yeah, it would it would be an interesting idea if in the Winds of Winter, as the others attack, if everything else got overrun and it was just these few places in Winterfell 
that maybe have this original protection like you see some storms end but that also that to do for that to work you'd have to assume that those giant walls outside were built later so they kind of go hand in hand if you, if you think there if you think winterfell used to be much smaller then that's a possibility if not then it would probably be the whole walls Um, and the other thing about the the ancient parts of, of Winterfell's origins, the, not only the connections to the children of the forest through Bran, his, the idea of like calling giants, that kind of thing. When you think about the crypts and the hill and the, and the weirwood heart tree on top of it, then does that not remind you of the children of the forest cave structures we know? I mean, absolutely it should. Uh, Blood Raven's cave and... If you if you have your is this in your mind what the original Winterfell looked like seem almost identical. It's just that now there's a tower on top. Uh, there's also High Heart. Um, there's the Weirwood Cave that um, Beric Dondarrion and the Brotherhood Without Banners uh, call their home. Uh, there's the Rainwood Caves. Um, also implies that maybe there's a cave structure underneath the God's Eye. Um, so it it could be very likely that Winterfell is built in the way it is because it was built on top of an ancient children of the forest like city or cave structure either by force or maybe cooperation the story seemed to imply it was cooperation um but knowing the old starks and how they were not awesome people um it may have been taken by force um again like the prometheus idea <clears throat> Uh, Justin Chisholm says, wonder if the anti-magic has to do with weirwood roots. Uh, that is another point. There are weirwoods um, at all four sites Bran the Builder supposedly built. Um, I mean, there's obviously the the Winterfell Godswood. Um, there's the grove out on the north side of the wall from Castle Black. But there's also... Oh, wow. There's a thunderstorm coming in right now. That's really loud. Um, apparently, the gods do not like me talking about their secrets. Also, um, I'm hoping this doesn't mean I will lose power. If I do, sorry about that. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, the Storm Gods are unhappy about this. I'm revealing their secrets. Uh, yeah, the Black Gate. So, uh, Storm's End has its own Godswood. Um, the High Tower itself does not have. Um, does not have a weirwood, but there is one present at the Citadel, which is not that far away from it. So there's um, there's definitely a connection between the weirwoods and probably these barriers that are happening. When we see in Blood Raven's cave, it's more explicit, where like the dead literally cannot walk in. It's probably the weirwood doing it. So it would make sense if maybe like the the walls were built at Winterfell, not like. Not in like a planned way. Maybe the walls are the outline of the barrier that the weirwood provides. That would be kind of cool. Um, that seems to that seems to me to be the more likely conclusion that the building of these fortresses was aided by the children of the forest and built around weirwoods. Maybe taking children of the forest uh, settlements in order to build them. Which would be very first men. That would be something they would do. Cooperation or conquest, one or one of the two, maybe a mixture of them. Um, 
<clears throat> so we're an hour in. Um, Again, I wanted to remind everybody, if you want to donate to the stream, if you want to do super chats, I'm instead asking that you send them. Um, you can donate directly to anywhere you want and then post in the chat that you did it or um, tag me on Twitter at the receipt or something like that. Or you can send them uh, to a, this PayPal link. And um, the main reason for doing this is to... Um, to help out the uh, protesters and the people out there that are um, struggling against all the, wow, my voice just cracked. That's weird. Um, struggling against police brutality and all that kind of stuff. Um, all the revenues from the street. That sounded close. That sounded really close. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the crypts themselves. Also, you, I mean, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Joe Magician. Uh, you get access to the Patreon Slack. You get access access to like exclusive art. Um, the My patrons are able to see the... Um, are able to follow on the outline. I posted that just before we went live. Uh, the Patreon Slack, I think I mentioned that. Um, I'll have a video coming out this week talking about Storm's End itself, which is kind of where this came from. I was thinking about ancient castles and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, patrons will be able to see that early. But yeah, so the crypts, they are fascinating. They are a fascinating part of... Uh, a fascinating part of the story. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> Oh, I also wanted to mention um, that I don't know if you guys know the podcast Drinks and Knows Things. Um, one of their members, um, Abby, her husband, uh, recently passed, and they have a GoFundMe up. Um, if you guys want to help her out in their time of need, they put up a goal of 5000 but they're up to 26000 already. Um Drinks and those things are a fine part of the community. Uh, it'd be nice if everybody could, um, <laughs> could also help them out. Um, yeah, so <laughs> sorry, there's thunderbolts, lightning, um, stuff like donations coming through. Uh, $20 from uh, Crow Food's daughter. Thank you very much, Amanda. That puts us up to $140. Um, okay, so fact one about the crypts that is so weird and fascinating. They get older as you go down. Okay. They get older the deeper in ground you go, which is strange. Because it's a lot harder to build down. Like excavating that far is incredibly difficult, especially in these ancient times when they didn't even do the earthwork to remove the hills or flatten the land. For some reason, there's these multi-level cave structures underneath Winterfell, and they started burying people at the bottom. <laughs> they buried them at the bottom. Most of the time, um, with like labyrinths or mausoleums or crypts or that kind of thing, there's generally like one level and they just sort of spread out horizontally as they can or they build stuff above ground or they clear them out over time instead the starks for unknown reasons have an upwards building crypt 
that is massive, that is truly huge. It has space for every single Lord that has ever been a part of Winterfell, and they're still going. It's almost like this... Um, it's almost like it almost seems like a countdown where it's like what happens when the it adds attention to it it's noted that the crypts are almost full okay so then what happens when they're full because they're almost at the surface um is it like a magical spell sort of thing is it like a ritual is it just like a thematic thing for george telling you that maybe the starks are ending that kind of thing but it's definitely a um a very very or Perhaps maybe telling us that the dead are getting closer and closer to the surface. Hmm. I wonder why George would do that. Why in a story with tons of necromancers, he would put in this idea that the Stark dead over time are slowly getting, getting closer to escaping from the earth. I don't know why he would do that. I mean, could be anything really. <clears throat> Uh, Wheezy Squeezebot says, how the Starks know how how um, deep to dig? Yeah, a great question. Is it an accident? Because it doesn't seem that way because the Starks are destroyed now as they have more than they have ever been. And yet the crypts are also running out. It's it's very strange. Um, this is a unique and actually unique um, thing in Westeros. There's nothing else like it. The only thing that's close is the, the, um, the Lannisters of Cashley Rock also have this kind of, um, crypt structure in the, in the stone vaults of, um, deep in the mountain. Um, there's also the Barrows and Barrowton, but they're not built like this. Um, nowhere. And it also, interestingly, the only other place where there are some kind of crypts, are basically like I said, it's Casterly Rock. Casterly Rock was a children of the forest city before stolen by the Casterlies, before stolen by the Lannisters. So I would say definitely that the Starks did not build upwards. There was a cave structure already down there, something like Blood Raven's Cave, maybe that they have adapted to bury their dead. Especially because if you think about it, um, as Bran is going through the Weirwood uh, going through uh, Blood Raven's cave, he sees um, the Green Seers kind of. Oh yes, oh, they, uh, Guilty Undertaker says the Targaryens and the Free Folk both burn their dead. The Starks do not burn their dead; they bury them, knowing necromancers exist. Weird. Um, hang on. It'd be easier if I had this up on a screen or something like that. But yeah, I uh, got 204 going. If we get 165 likes, we get to 200. I'll put on the germ hat, which I hate and I don't want to do, but I will do it for you guys. Um, oh, thanks for coming, Amanda. Good to see you. Um, yeah, nobody buries their dead like this. It, it seems almost certain that this is a Children of the Forest cave system that's been adapted, like I was saying, with um, the the way the green seers in Blood Raven's cave are hooked up to the trees. You can almost maybe see that as like the crypts as a human version of that, where um, they exist in some form of place between life and death connected to the Weirwoods. I've, I've speculated in the past that I wonder if the sepulchers where the bodies actually are buried behind the statues, maybe Weirwoods have gotten in there. Um, that would be fascinating. 
yeah, it seems very likely. Uh, I was, I'm just going to get to this, uh, right now. This was next on my doc. It happens to come up. Um, talking about the statues and the bones <clears throat> again, the statues are a unique feature of the crypts. Um, it's said that every Lord who has ever ruled Winterfell has a statue except that's another lightning bolt, except for a, um, three people. There are three people that have, um, that have statues that are not Lords. They are Lyanna Stark, Brandon Stark, and Arto Stark, the implacable. Um, Brandon is the closest to a technicality because, um, when Ares killed his father, there was a brief moment after Rickard died from the flames in the armor from the wildfire and Rick and Brandon was still alive. Try and then he strangled the device strangled him. So I guess you could say like, I guess Brandon was Lord for a few minutes. That's that doesn't seem right. He was never actually the, the Lord of Winterfell. Um, and then there's Artos, the implacable who was, um, he essentially served as kind of like a regent for Willem Stark. Um, he ended up fighting off. Um, yeah, I'm just going to double check this. I think he fought off the wildling invasion against Raymond Redbeard. Um, yes. <clears throat> Willem Stark called his banners March North. Artos went with them during the Battle of Long Lake. Willem was killed. Artos killed Raymond himself. Um, so he was never a Lord of Winterfell, but his intense service to the Stark family got him a statue when nobody else has them. Um, although with the length of time that these statues have been being built, who knows if any of all of them are actually Lords, like it's 5,000 years of history. Who knows? Um, very odd that they do it. Um, and there's also this odd detail that we get from the Stark children that these crypts are not a like a solemn weird place that they never go it's not grim or anything like that this is a place that the, the stark children for generations will go to and like run and play and play jokes on each other this is where we get the infamous john jumping out covered in flour looking like a ghost to scare sansa the story from when they were kids um the, they, the Stark children, for some reason, view these giant spooky crypts full of staring statue lords as comfortable. They view it as um, a normal part of their lives. And that is unusual in Westeros, that the this comfort with death and this comfort with being around a graveyard, basically. Um... Yeah, it's it's it really tells you a little bit about um, their relationship to the crypts and their history and maybe <laughs> their connections with those scary ice necromancers to the north that death for them and being around the essentially the corpses of their ancestors is just a normal thing for them. Um, odd. 
another odd part of the crypts. And then, of course, we get the statues themselves. Um, so the statues are the kings of winter. The show had them all standing up, but essentially the the statues are the they sit in the throne of Winterfell uh, or a. Hang on a second. Let me double check this. I th- I'm pretty sure the cat they they are sitting in a throne, um, a mirror of the one in the Great Keep, with a direwolf around their feet and a real iron sword or a steel sword laid laid across their um, laid across their laps. Um, over and over and over again, these statues are mentioned as being alive. That characters when they are down there feel like they're being watched, felt like they're being judged, that they are not alone, that these statues are alive. Um, this is extremely sing- extremely similar to um, language that we get about the Weirwoods, where it's, it feels like a lot of times the Weirwoods are almost like paused in motion, where um, I talked about this uh, a while back, but it was like almost like a death mask idea. Their faces are frozen. Their limbs are like arms that are moving. It's the same thing for these statues. They are, um, everyone thinks they're alive. Everyone thinks they're watching. Um, like that's not, that's not abnormal. That does happen elsewhere in the, in the world where people walk by statues of dead people and think like, Oh, well, Maybe they're watching, but it is unusual in the Winterfell crypts how everyone feels that way. It is it is omnipresent. Um, and then with John dreams, it becomes real. Uh, when John dreams that he goes down there and he yells that this is not his place, that he's not a Stark, um, the statues actually do like turn their heads and look at him and talk and do all these weird things. Um, and for some reason, in dreams. Which again links back to the children of the forest who have the ability to look into dreams. It seems like uh, like Blood Raven does to Bran. Um, it's almost like there's something in the crypts that is reaching out as well. Maybe something connected to the to the um, to the old gods or some sort of similar function. Um, it's also the idea that the, the the sword across the lap is a denial of guest right. Um, <laughs> Actually, I saw this in the chat. Somebody else brought it up. Uh, Let me see here. Uh, Yes, Jess brought it up. Uh, Yeah, denying guest right. For some reason, all these statues are posed as lords. Like they are in the throne of Winterfell. They have a direwolf at their foot, uh, echoing the idea that they have been historically wargs. But they're denying guest right to everyone that walks in. But not the Starks, because the Starks feel totally comfortable down there. It's like an outsider sort of thing. Um, when you see other statues, um, they're usually posed in some way that reflects the person or something personal. That's not what's happening with the statues in Winterfell. They are saying, everyone else, get out um, with open steel. This comes up with Rob and Tyrion uh, when Rob is standing in for Ned when he goes south, where Tyrion sees the naked blade on Rob's lap and says like, oh, you're saying you're about to kill me. Why would statues be about to kill you? Interesting question. Oh, well, that was not a PayPal donation. Just got a new patron. Uh, Patreon. Yeah. Uh, Kate. $10. Thank you so much, Kate. Um, uh, yeah, with, um, like I was talking about with 
season eight and how the dead rise, the the foreshadowing is con- as consistent and total that I think the dead will rise um, at some point during the war against the others. That seems almost certain. Um, it is too consistently put in. Um, the interesting part will be like I was talking about earlier. Is there some barrier that is that would stop the others? That will be broken in order to make that happen. Um, that would be a fascinating thing. But it also, like I was saying, this also links the idea that the old gods and the Starks have this relationship. The direwolves say they are, say they are, um, they are skin changers. They are wargs. The way they are sitting in their in their thrones and the and the how close they are to the weirwoods reminds you of green seers. The idea that they don't burn their dead, that their dead are still there ready to be necromancers reminds you of the others. It's a very fascinating idea. Um, Hang on, there's a... Oh, people are pointing out in the chat that some that people do walk through cemeteries, that they aren't always grim. Um, that is true. That is a thing. Like you can walk through um the um National Cemetery at Arlington in Washington, DC. And um it's a it's a solemn place. Like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers is like that. A lot of us probably a lot of Americans on the East Coast probably went there. F- uh for like a middle school trip. Um, but yeah, not all graveyards are spooky. Some people do like them. It's odd, though, that all the Starks like the Crips, that all the Starks are totally okay with it. Um, Unusual. And yeah, combined with the statues and that these bodies are available, these connections to the old gods and the children of the forest, it, it seems like... It seems like Winterfell is sort of like a petrified weirwood or like a petrified or a human version of um, a children of the forest city that this is but like, this is their understanding of what the children of the forest do or what used to be there. Um, so actually, wow, good timing. Uh, Laura seven and has bring up a question I was about to get to. So what is hidden in the crypts? Um, it's noted that the crypts, you cannot access all of them, that there's actually a cave in and, um, the lower levels are cut off. Nobody has, um, Nobody has re-excavated it. Nobody goes down there. A lot of the names of these lords are lost. This, the, the swords have essentially rusted away, but there's more to access that nobody can get to right now. Um, and the question is, so you have this weird crypt structure that's very deep that goes even deeper and part of it's cut off. So what's behind the cutoff part? I mean, the simple answer is that it's just a, um, it is just more crypts. It is just more statues down there and there's nothing down there that the, um, that the cave in is just a red herring or something like that. And George isn't going to do anything with it. I find that boring. Um, so there's quite a lot of theories about what might be behind the caved in part of the crypts. Um, one, one thing that comes up is the hot spring source. Uh, it's said from, the locals at um 
in the winter town in Winterfell that they think that the hot springs are generated by a dragon, that there is a dragon down there that is breathing fire on the water source. And, um, that is, that's what's down there. Like it doesn't have to be a real dragon, like dragons breathing up from the earth is a, is a normal idea for what volcanism a way to understand it but maybe there's like dragon eggs down there maybe there is something like that um some sort of what is the heat source underneath winterfell is it a is there like a volcano waiting to erupt or is there maybe there is a dragon who knows i mean it's a fantasy world george could do whatever he wants but i would suspect it is it is mentioned that that is something you should think about like what's down there maybe the source of this heat okay um there's also a vision where bran is in ghosts i mean he's in uh summer's body and then as winterfell burns he sees a a dragon escape so that is definitely something and when we're talking about um if you want to think about it in terms of the story non-literally um there is a dragon buried in winterfell it's john snow the um the Stark and Targaryen um, hidden behind a cave in basically hidden by Winterfell. There is a dragon there. Okay. So that could be what that is about. It doesn't have to be a literal thing down there. Um, another possibility is like, what if there's something like the black gate? I mean, nobody knew the black gate was there. It is one of the weirdest parts of a song of ice and fire. And it's equally as weird as Winterfell and the crypts. Maybe there is another weirwood face down there that is like some sort of vault or some sort of secret behind it. Um, this goes into uh, a similar possibility that people wonder if this is a children of the forest cave structure maybe it connects to the rest of them. Maybe there is a black gate or something like that behind the the cave in that would allow you to go from the Winterfell caves into the rest of the cave structures, which seem to go all throughout Westeros itself. Um, I mean, there's Gorn's way that um, goes underneath the wall that seemingly goes by um, that completely bypasses the walls defenses. Um, there's also uh, what is it? There's an idea at the God's eye that it's it's super deep and that maybe there is like an underground water source definitely beneath Blood Raven's cave. It's been noted that there are actually uh, underground rivers down there. So maybe there's some sort of giant ancient cave structure that goes all the way around the north and the Winterfell is one of the exits that has been blocked off. Uh, a black gate would be super interesting. Um, I don't know it'll ever come up because nobody's really interested in the in the crypts, you know. Nobody's interested in like getting behind that part. You just know it, it exists. I think it's Theon that brings it up, which tells you that Theon has also explored. And also, it looks like this is a a thing to think about in terms of how the Starks view Theon. Theon has been allowed in the crypts. He knows where it is. It's an important plot point that everyone <laughs> when he's in Winterfell as Reek is trying to convince him to give up this location. So there actually was quite a lot of trust in Theon that they brought him to this place and showed him it. Um, and then... Haha. <laughs> There's one more idea that um I'm not the only one to think of this. This is something that people have thought of before. It's the idea that um 
that maybe there is some kind of monster or some kind of ancient being that is trapped down there, similar to like you see from like a Blood Raven or the Undying. Um, something that should have died long ago, but has not. So perhaps the the legend of the Night's Queen, maybe maybe she is trapped down there. Maybe that is maybe a kidnapping of the only female other we've ever heard of is the secret of how the Starks ended the long night, that they have her down there. Um that would be super interesting. Like maybe the Night King is down there. Maybe that's where they took his body after uh, Brandon the Breaker and um, I think Jorman um, came together to depose the Night King from the Night Fort. Like what happened to his body afterwards? Did he die? If he did die, what did they do with it? Well, maybe they buried it. Maybe they buried it in the Stark crypts out of like shame or something like that because it said that the night king was a stark that's what our old man tells us um like their deep dark secret and it doesn't even have to be like a literal thing it doesn't have to be a body and there doesn't have to be like some magical being down there maybe it is just literally like a secret buried in the deep crypts like the connection between the starks and the others the connection between the starks and the children of the forest because there has been a consistent idea throughout time where the starks have been sort of burying their history in a real way where the benevolent um well not always benevolent but the the starks that care for the north and care for their bannermen and um take care of the common people is not what they always were like um they they were Maester Lewin says they used to be hard men for hard times. We know they spent thousands of years conquering the North. Um, if there's some sort of connection to that and like a burying of history idea, that would make sense. Also, whatever connection there is between the Kings of winter and the King of winter and the Knights King, that the Knights King was a Stark from old man's story. That would make a lot of sense. Um, it's also this idea that the the Winterfell itself is presented as like a maze or a labyrinth. And um, that's that's an idea that has been consistent throughout like real life myths and legends that you build maths, ma mazes and labyrinths to essentially um, it's been used to keep like evil things inside of it, like the the Minotaur of Crete. Um, the, the labyrinth was built to keep it confused, to keep it escape, to keep it from escaping. It's a it's a prison in another form. Oh, um, yeah, we got two hundred and seven people watching right now. One hundred and eighty two likes. Uh, 200 we put on the the germ hat that i don't like we had a half hour to go um also after this at five o'clock rio westeros goes live um i don't i forget what their topic is this week but um definitely interesting um there's also quite a lot of oh um yeah john um john h i'm not gonna try and pronounce that um there's also the idea that Bale the Bard and the Stark daughter, daughter lived out there for a year. If there's a way out, then that would make sense. Um, there's definitely an idea that the Starks and Secrets can live down in those crypts where no one else can. That 
there's something strange going on. Um, people have wondered if maybe there's a nearby cave entrance that um, used to connect, like it was their back door out of the structure if they ever got sieged. Um, that would make sense too. And maybe the cave-in was to stop that from being an option during sieges. Because as we know, the Starks did get... Um, Winterfell has been captured before. It has been sacked. It has been burned. So if there is a secret way in and that secret way was discovered and that's how it was just, how it was uh, invaded and sacked, then yeah, you would probably close that up. If you want the most like practical reason why you would cro close off these crypts. <clears throat> um, I think I was going to do some, uh, I've got a half hour to go. I think we would do a, maybe some, I'll take some questions. We'll spend the last hour just answering questions about this kind of stuff. Um, I got a few here from my patron slack, uh, Amanda, a crow foods daughter. Um, she wanted to talk about the burning of the library. I covered most of the other parts. That is something that's very interesting. Uh, when you're talking about um, a loss of knowledge and the burning of books that seems likely to happen at the Citadel and the loss of them with Maester Eamon losing his sight. Um, Winterfell is one of these places that has, it's not a giant library, but it's a library where it's said um, rare and unique books live. That Tyrion was fascinated by the library. He took, a two he took a few volumes with him and the burning of the library um, could be sort of a a way that George allows things to get worse when they didn't have to. Like if there was a book in there about the others, if there was a book in there about how to stop them or some sort of more magical idea that was lost. Um, the book, the library itself was not burned on purpose. Uh, John. Yeah. Uh, Luminous rain says, John says it's small at the wall. It's small, but unique or has rare volumes. You can't find anywhere else except maybe at castle black. Um, the library was burned as a diversion to try and kill Bran, um, which is super, which is an interesting idea that um, that Bran's existence is causing a loss of uh, ancient knowledge. Um, yeah, the, the, the Winterfell library, I would love to see what books are there in my um, my Maester Aemon theories I posted on the channel, the um, Aemon the Dreamer. Uh, the Eamon the Dreamer one in particular, I talked about how maybe a reason that Eamon went north was to get access to Winterfell and Castle Black because Sept and Barth went there as well. That there was a sort of a following a stream of knowledge, um, trying to find these ancient secrets that no one else has, which Eamon and characters like Bloodraven are definitely tuned into. Like, did Eamon ever borrow a copy of a book from Winterfell while he was up at the wall? He could have. Um, Bloodraven, maybe. Um, that could be that could be interesting. Uh, it's definitely an idea that there has been knowledge that could stop the others that has been lost over time or is buried in somewhere that maybe only someone like Samuel Tarley would be able to find. Um, that's something I would very interested going into Winds Winter, especially with Citadel seemingly under threat by Euron. Um, a question here from uh, Stephen Stark. Um, 
Uh, he wanted to know why does Winterfell need such defenses along with uh, what looks like magical ones? Um, yeah, why do you need two sets of walls, 100 feet tall, 80 feet tall with a moat in between? Um, yeah, that's that's um, that is a good question. We know that the Starks are one of the more warlike families or were in the past that they had thousands of years of conquests of doing their neighbors and that the Boltons were their primary enemy for most of that time. Um, we know that the Boltons did take Winterfell in the past. Um, I would I would suspect that if the walls weren't actually built by Bran the Builder, that they were built um later in response to the Bolton threats that as their feud got worse, as the wars became more destructive, that they just kept like amping up their defenses. Like after being sacked once, maybe the hundred foot wall went up, they got sacked again, maybe the moat went up and then the 80 foot wall after that. Um, it, it's a practical problem. The, um, the Durndons for thousands of years were able to use not only those giant walls they have, but also Shipbreaker Bay as a way to stop sieges and outlast them. But Winterfell is exposed on all sides. It has the only thing that protects it is kind of the the um the wolfswood, but that is not a that is not the same kind of barrier as a giant bay that you cannot sail ships into is. Um, so. I, I would guess that the these increased defenses are responding to a practical threat and not a magical one because like these kind of walls they don't stop people from invading your dreams it's unclear if they would even stop like zombies from climbing up them or giants from trying to break them down those walls seem to be there to stop a men I would guess um It, it's the idea of modern Winterfell versus like a historical Winterfell, which what came first? When was it built in what order? That's a question that George wants you to think about as he is describing this because he keeps putting through these ideas. Um, although we know that the current Winterfell, it was sacked not by overwhelming force, not by a siege, but by trickery that um, Ramsey Bolton's uh, gambit essentially allowed them to open the walls for somebody that they should not have. And that's how it ended up being taken. It could be, it's like a similar thing with Storm's End when John Connington says, where he, when he's asked, how are you going to take this in this unstoppable castle, this castle nobody can break into? And he says, by guile. So it removes... Um, Uh, it removes kind of a certain kind of threat, but doesn't remove the threat entirely. Um, yeah, good question there from Steven. Um, oh, but you, you do see a similar thing at Moat Kalen, where, um, where it uses a giant ridge and also the swamps around it in order to be the main barriers it uses the natural defenses and that is something that winterfell does not really have um uh, linda smith asked um 
Do you think Egg maybe borrowed borrow, do you think maybe Egg borrowed books from the Winterfell Library similar to Tyrion? I would guess Aemon or Aemon did um when he was a maester, but uh, I mean it's possible that when when the She Wolves and Winterfell rolls around that perhaps Egg does go up to the library and pulls some for for his brother, saying like, Oh, he would like this and like a gift from the from the Lord of Winterfell. That would be that would actually be a really interesting way to connect um Duncan Egg to Aemon in the current timeline that what if it was like a book from Winterfell that Egg brought back for him that got him thinking about um these larger themes. Um it definitely it's not it wouldn't be for Ares, I don't think. Um Ares was already in, invested in the higher mysteries, but it could definitely be something for Aemon. Um <laughs> Uh, this was one from my patron Slack, uh, Bernie, who's in the chat. Um, she thought the crypts were collapsed on grayscale victims, and that's why there are stone starks. Um, that is certainly a theory, Bernie. But, uh, you know, grayscale has been a thing for a long time. The stone men and the stone statues that move, there's definitely a connection there with... Um, with i mean with their names and the ideas behind them the ideas that the stone men eventually like freeze in place we saw that from euron uh the brother he killed the first one he had essentially been paralyzed and euron just sort of pinched his nose you could also see that as kind of like a stone statue sort of thing um those kind of sealed burials often are for like uh disease sort of things that so like the sepulchers they're buried in, that would be interesting if that's like where the tradition started. That's one of those things I love thinking about. Like, why did you start doing that? Like, why would you start building these statues? Why would you start building down up? Why would you put them in sepulchers rather than burning them like everyone else does? It's, um, that is a curious question. Um, all right, let's, so let's grab some uh, from the chat. Oh, good. We're at 188 likes. Um, 205 watching. Thank you all for coming out on the Saturday. It sounds like my thunderstorm has um, kind of tapered off. I haven't heard thunder in a while, so that's good. It looks less like night outside. Um, yeah, so if you guys have... Um, I mean, kind of questions you can like we're Q and a stuff. You can just tag me if you feel like it. Um, Zoe, the small says I heard a radio radio Westeros podcast, um, where they were telling the myth that <clears throat> a dragon laid a clutch of eggs in the deepest part of the Stark crypt. Um, yeah, that's, that's a part of the pact of ice and fire, um, that, <clears throat> uh, Jace Valarion, um, or Jace Targaryen, I forget which one he's actually called. The act, the strong child of um, of Rhaena Tar of Rhaenyra Targaryen and Breakbones went north in order to secure the the assistance of the Starks in their war. And doing so, um, there's a bunch of different stories that came out about how this happened. Um, they did sign it. They did sign a pact of ice and fire, and. Um, one story is that Jace ended up um, <laughs> deciding that Sarah Snow, Lord Cregan's um, daughter, I mean, uh, 
bastard sister was super cute and they ended up hooking up and um they got married ben, uh, beneath the winterfell heart tree um and from that the pact of ice and fire came out it, there's another story where it was essentially just like um there was a, a promise that i think a targaryen princess would marry into the stark line um and there's also this idea that uh jace's dragon laid a clutch of eggs and that was essentially the payment that he left them behind rather than taking them back to um, back to Dragonstone, that they sealed the this pact of ice and fire with dragon eggs. Um, that's I, I tend to believe the Sarah Snow one. That's the newest one. That's the one that George put in fire and blood. And um, it it also seems to fit with the characterization of the Strongs and Jace in general. Like there was a story that he went to the Vale to secure their um, their loyalty as well, and something about oral sex came up. Like if he could pleasure the Lady of the Vale, she would give them um, her support. Uh, the Strongs also are definitely known for um, their sexy times and their intense horniness. So. Um, that would be the one I would guess the most, but again, the idea of the eggs underneath Winterfell, I think is a reference to John that it's supposed to tell you that, um, supposed to tell you that there are dragons in Winterfell. There has been one there all the time and you just need to discover it and it will make some kind of big difference. Um, Let's see here. Let me scroll up. Um, Ned Braden says, I can't wait for John to go down there. Seems inevitable. Definitely. There's been a lot of theories that John will go down into the crypts and discover his true identity. Um, there's been ideas that like in Liana's crypts, there's a harp um, or Rhaegar's signet ring or um, maybe the... Um, the wedding shroud from when Rhaegar and Lyanna married, um, sort of, I think it goes back to the, um, this happens in Arthurian legend where a character goes down into a crypt and discovers his true identity. So that would be, um, that could be something that comes up. He came in at the right time, Tubbs, talking about the um, Jace Valarion and the Strong's I, continued idea that they can, they're just going to bang their way to victory, which kind of works. Um, <clears throat> oh, only Shadow King, only Shadow Kin, no uh, G on that one. How many places are volcanic in Westeros? You have Dragonstone and Winterfell. Uh, Winterfell is built on the hot on the uh, hot springs. Um, so there's a few. Um, I mean, obviously Dragonstone. Um, the presence of obsidian in places tells you there used to be volcanic activity. So it seems that a lot of these caves that the children have may they may not have carved them. They may be like lava tubes. Uh, if you know anything about. Um, geology and volcanism that um when a volcano burns out it often leaves behind these um the passages that used to be filled with lava and um the the presence of obsidian um there's been some speculation that the iron islands may have been a volcano like the 
the Iron Man Bay with the way that the uh, that the Iron Islands seem probably to have been at one at one point and now are separated in a way that looks like a volcanic explosion could tell you that there was one over there. Um, there's the idea from uh, from hard home that it used to be kind of a thriving wildling city and then it kind of just exploded one night. Um, it seems to be a volcanic explosion as well. Um, yeah, th that could be another one. Um, trying to think about what other places are known to be volcanic. Um, I would guess that most of the places the children of the forest built places probably have some kind of volcanic, um, some volcanic idea to them or some history of that because they always they seem to always use obsidian they always have these obsidian weapons they use them to hunt they use them to fight and you can't have obsidian without volcanoes so unless they had like an inter like a total continental um trade system then they probably were getting it from local places um It's just, it just seems like a lot of the volcanic activity has essentially gone out. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like underneath Blood Raven's cave, like underneath those rivers and in those deep uh, tunnels that he keeps, that Bran keeps exploring through Hodor, that maybe there is like some sort of burnt out volcano down there. Um, yes, also the Isle of Faces, um, that actually that structure, when you think about the Isle of Faces, the, the big island with an island, I mean, the big lake with an island in the middle, that is something that can be uh, fairly typical of, um, of a giant volcano that essentially blew itself out. Um, you can see that up in like, um, at Crater Lake up in Oregon, um, other places around the world where the uh, an explosion that was so enormous that it blew apart the mountain all it left was a crater that eventually just became a lake that kind of thing um it's actually that's something that comes up in um crusader kings too there's a very rare event where if you hold winterfell you can actually if you have the um the trying to find a, a dragon egg thing that it will pop up. You can find the dragon egg under Winterfell. Very rare though. Um, I looked up the, how often it happens. It's never happens. Oh, uh, $10 from Shadowkin. Only Shadowkin. Thank you very much. Um, yep. That will be going to charity as well. Um, ah, uh, that's called a mar, a crater filled with water later. Yeah, that's a fairly um, consistent idea within a or consistent thing that can happen with super volcanoes. Um, got about 10 minutes left, so keep throwing them and then uh, we'll get out of here and then I'm going to go watch Radio Westeros in an hour. Um, let me scroll up. I think I missed some. Oh, um. Ed, 
Edpismetic. Um, will the dead from the uh, Winterfell crypt rise to fight on the side of our heroes, or they rise to attack the heroes in the show or something else? Um, although there are a lot of hints that ancient starts and that um, first men characters used to be necromancers, it, that doesn't seem to be a an idea that they do anymore. Like the most likely person to do it is Bran, but it doesn't. He has not. He has not found the power to reanimate the dead yet. So, if the Starks in the crypts end up rising, I expect they'll rise on the on the side of the others. That it will be during some kind of attack, and it will be this horrible, horrible scene where um, <clears throat> this horrible, horrible scene where the dead especially the dead that people may know who are in winterfell raise and try it rise from the dead and try and kill them um that's something that george has written about before in night flyers um that is spoiler alert the dead rise in that and they end up attacking their friends and it's this horrible motif that he loves playing with where you have to and it's not just him lots of lots of zombie movies lots of stories with the undead do this where at first it's just the random dead but then it's the dead that you know and you have to like re-kill your mother or you have to re-kill your father or something like that um yeah i think definitely on the side of the others neck the necromancy that has been shown on the side of the humans has been like a one-off it's been um like um ver- like uh, thoros has not shown the ability to raise an army of fire whites he has raised one so uh, it doesn't seem like that's in the cards for the sides of humanity. Um, Jack Peavy says, what are your thoughts on the ghost at Winterfell Theon chapter? Um, very interesting chapter. Um, I think that's like people have been wondering for a while, who is the hooded figure? Who is the, the one that is pestering Theon calls him a turn cloak. Um, the the ghost in winterfell chapter is such an interesting one especially as you start to see theon um come back to himself but also you see a lot of magical mechanics like that's where you see the the um brand talking through the heart tree to theon and you get this idea of what it looks like when a green seer is talking to you where you see the um where you can almost see the face where you can hear the voice on the wind when the leaves can can kind of be used as hands like uh, one lands on his forehead um the the idea of the of a of a ghost in winterfell though is something that is kind of ever present where the people that live there definitely have this idea that um long before theon that the dead are not dead that they live with their history they live with their past at all times um so there being ghosts in winterfell i mean it could be the green seers constantly messing with them but the ideas of necromancy and the way the starks live with their past is is total there are always ghosts in winterfell that um like literal ones or just figurative ones. <laughs> yeah, Guilty Undertaker says, I can't wait to see Stannis's reaction when the trees start talking to him. Yeah, that would be kind of funny if Bran, what would Bran say to Stannis? Like, get bent? <laughs> Maybe. Mm. Uh, Isabel, um, 
Lamego says, any chance we see Ned Skeleton trying to kill his children? No, because Ned Skeleton is not in the crypts. Um, his skeleton has been lost. It was going, it was supposed to be sent back and it has not made it north of the neck yet. His bones are still um, MIA, basically. Uh, Lady Dustin in particular has been trying to find them. It's kind of unclear why, what she's doing with it. Um, what she's going to do with the bones, but yeah, Ned's bones have not been interred, but it's implied that Brandon and Liana's bones are in there. Um, Rickard Stark's body is probably in there too. Um, and it's also not just, again, like I said, it's not just the Lords. So presumably Ned's mother is in there. Um, Uh, Aaron M brings up a good uh, question of I don't think the straight skeletons can be reanimated it it's it's unclear um, exactly how much like flesh you still need on the body to reanimate it um, it's noted that a lot of the times that when a body is transported from elsewhere that they boil the bones to remove the flesh and all you get back is just a pile of bones and you put that in a sepulcher um, so I, I think it's very likely that whatever the whatever bones are still in the crypts of Winterfell after thousands of years will probably be reanimated, uh, that the others are going to get their hands on them and use it as a um, a revenge plot. And then we'll just take like a one or two more and then um, I'll go hide from the thunder and lightning and wait for Ray Waiter Restoros. Um, oh, um, only shadow can S. Do you think Arya will be the queen of a mighty wolf pack? Um, yes. Um, George has talked about how he didn't make a giant um, pack of wolves attacking people in the Riverlands that Arya is connected to for no reason that they're going to come into play. Um, there have been ideas that the wolves may attack the um, the Lannisters that are transporting Jane, um, no, Jane Westerling um, in order to free them or I'm not really sure what for. Maybe they'll just attack. Oh, oh, good. Just in time. You guys hit 200 likes. Great. Great. <clears throat> cool. This is happening. I get to look like a train engineer. Uh, yep. Yep, this happened. This happened. I get to... I get to put this thing on. Um... <laughs> All right, so one more, and then, um, oh, finish answering the question. Yes, I think Nymeria will leave that, will lead that wolf pack. It seems to be for sure that they're going to have some kind of purpose, whether Arya's in control or not. I'm not sure of Nymeria is pretty independent at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if she found a way to guide them or in some way use them if she recognizes somebody. Um, Uh, 
Asasuke says, if we donate another day, will you use the money to buy yourself a turtle pin? Sure. I don't know how much a turtle pin is, but why not? Um, I, I may burn the hat one day. Maybe that'll be a fun video. I burn the hat. <laughs> um, uh, Lady Leaf Underhill says, what do you think about indie geek? In Deep Geeks Theory, that name is a tongue twister, Robert, you know it, um, that it's the statues that will come to life. Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't, there's not really been any kind of mechanism shown in the books for how you would get a stone statue to come to life. Like um, there are like in Tolkien's world, it's definitely a thing where like golems exist or um, not golem like the creature, but like um magical beings made of stone that's that's a definite part of other fantasy worlds um george's version has been basically the stone men that um that grayscale turns you into a essentially a stone statue and you die um that doesn't seem to be what the stark statues are we know they're carved um they have ned's carved even though he's in, his body isn't in there yet so i would i would not think that the stone statues themselves will get up and move but um I, I, I think the foreshadowing is definitely the, um, the idea that the dead will rise, not the actual statues themselves. Uh, I thought, uh, I thought Tolkien had like, uh, some sort of giant rock monsters or something, or was that something from the movies? I forget. Even if it's not Tolkien, there's tons of other stories where there's rock monsters, where there's like magical constructs that sorcerers bring to life, to life that has not as far as I can remember, has not showed up in a song of ice and fire. Um, all right. So that is four o'clock. Um, gonna go, gonna go offline in a couple minutes, but I'm going to do some plugs. Please stay to the end, especially if you're watching it back. Um, it actually helps quite a lot with the YouTube algorithm that people don't, that it doesn't see like that where the viewership goes is going like this and it goes poof. Um, so, uh, we, where you can find me, obviously you heard on the Joe Magician YouTube channel, subscribe, like comment, do all the things. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the Joe Magician, same on Instagram. Um, you can find me on, there's a, there's always a audio version of this that shows up where it's called the wit and wisdom of Joe Magician. Um, you can find it basically anywhere you want to Spotify, iTunes, Google play, um, except for the private ones where you, where you have to get invited to them. I'm not on those. Um, and if you listen on those things, it'd be great if you could leave a review there um, saying you like it or what your thoughts are on, <laughs> on what you're listening to at Patreon at patreon.com slash Joe Magician. Um, all the video coming out this week. I have the audio finished. I just have to add music and do the, uh, the animating and all that other kind of stuff about how John Connington will take um, Storm's End in the Winds of Winter. Um, in theory, once I'm done with that, uh, Jeff, aka Brendan Beefish, is going to do the stream with me about it. But um, he's kind of tied up at the moment, so we'll see when that happens. Um, and also, there won't be a stream this coming weekend. I have to work. Um, so the next stream will be two Saturday. Will be the Saturday after next. 
at the same time. Um, I'll put it out on the channel and all that other stuff so you can find it. Um, again, all the money from the stream, uh, I'm going to be donating to help out Black Lives Matter and the various organizations out there protesting against police brutality. Um, I'll post the, the receipt or whatever later. Um, we ended up raising... Let me double check the number. Uh, $138. So that'll be all be going out there plus the um, the super chat. So that'll be another five. So like 140 something bucks plus ad revenue. So probably like 150 will go out. But yeah, uh, thanks so much. Um, I'll see you on Tuesday. I'm planning to do my Crusader Kings 2 stream again and then the week afterwards. So thanks very much. Uh, go watch Radio Westeros at 5 p.m. on their channel. They've been doing weekly live streams for Winds of Winter Prep. And also down below in the description, there's a big list of um, black and people of color in the community that you should definitely go check out, subscribe to their channels, buy from their shops or whatever. Give them a listen because they deserve it. Thanks so much, everybody. I'll see you later.